Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietrich. Sal, you fired up tonight? Ed, my man, I, I tell you, my brother, I, I'm in a mess, man. I, I've got weeds in my front yard. I've got <laughs> nothing growing in the garden. I, I need tonight's guest, uh, Sebastian Wilburn, the founder of Brickwater Abbey. You know, many of our listeners are trying to eat organic. We all are. Uh, you know, the show should be sponsored by the Whole Foods tonight. But, you know, we're all trying to live better and take care of ourselves. And that takes discipline. A lot of us don't have. And to have discipline, you have to be a disciple. And that means you have to have faith in what you're doing to complete that journey. So I- I'm excited, you know, and Sebastian and his team are, you know, what some would describe as, you know, a green think tank, right? That kind of sound, sounds a little funky to me, but, you know, we'll hear some more. But you know, they're trying to make healthy food available to the poor, work with folks here in the area. This sounds like uh, AFAC, who's been on the show a lot of times. But, you know, they provided over 750 pounds of food last year through the New Hope Fellowship uh, Sebastian joins us to talk about how he arrived at this intersection of, of faith, uh, farming service uh, to the less fortunate, his plans for the future. So, Sebastian, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, no problem, man. And I, we are going to talk about my weeds after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sebastian, we talked uh, on the phone preparing for this. And you've got a lot of interesting things in your background, but tell us how you first had the idea to grow healthy food for the poor and the homeless people in our community. Well, Ed, um, like a lot of millennials, I was considering uh, what to do with my life and what direction it should take. And um, praying with my fiance, Michelle, uh, we discussed what kind of positive impact in the community could I make um, in an entrepreneurial sense. And something that we just tacked on was the underserved and um, hungry in our local community. So there were a number of other key things you mentioned as well that happened in your life that led you to this, what we call the intersection of faith, farming, and compassion Talk about some of them. It's a, you have a very diverse background, so give us some of the highlights. Certainly. Uh, I was raised here in Northern Virginia in a uh, co-housing community right outside of Tyson's Corner. Is that known as a commune? Uh, it, it can be compared to a commune. Um, everyone has their own individual houses. We just had a shared uh, rec center for the community, in a sense, and we had a lot of common meals, potlucks. Um, everything was done by consensus. So growing up, me and my closest friends were all there. That's all that we knew. Um, we loved being on the farm in the orchard. And as I grew up, I ended up finding my way down to uh, North Carolina to learn a little bit more about farming. And that's uh, really where I started to learn uh, to use the Bible and have that guide me on the farm. Yeah, man, you just talked about an orchard in Fairfax County. I don't think it'd be hard to find a, an apple tree in Fairfax County these days. I mean, talk about a, a, a great upbringing. And that's Tyson's Corner. That was, I mean, the heart of Tyson's Corner? It's right outside of Tyson's Corner, maybe about five miles down seven. Uh, Potomac Vegetable Farms, um, if you live near them, definitely go take uh, a look at their uh, market stand right outside on Route 7. It's an incredible family, locally grown, eco-organic. They've been doing it since the 60s. So tell us a little bit more about the experience you had down in North Carolina. You were outside Asheville in sort of a remote area. 
Yeah, I was in Burnsville, North Carolina. I worked for Milo Acres, which was a family-run farm by Michael Osada and his wife, Lori. Uh, They're an incredible Christian family, so strong, um, definitely have a lot of faith in the Lord, and um, that is what made them even open up their own farm initially. And I was their very first apprentice, and it was just an eye-opening experience for everybody to just uh, every week kind of recognize that this is what we should be doing in our lives. So you mentioned that this was sort of your first experience in taking the Bible and using it as a guideline for, for gardening and farming, correct? Yeah. Um, one of the first passages in the Bible, Genesis 2.15, is the God uh, put the man in the Garden of Eden to tend for it. And from that point on in the whole Bible, it's just a guideline of telling us that we should be gardeners and tend to the earth for the Lord. You also mentioned the influence uh, growing up of Young Life and Tikkun Olam. Yeah, I was raised Jewish, um, and Tikkun Olam is the um, Hebrew version of doing good acts of service for the intrinsic value and not for any uh, external benefit. And so I was raised in that theory very heavily. Um, I've always been committed to serving and volunteering with uh, local groups, and this was just the the culmination of all that childhood into doing it by myself. Yeah, now you have a garden center here where you're producing this, you said 750 pounds of food. Tell us about that and uh, where it's at and, and a little bit more about it. Yeah, God's Garden is at Centerville Presbyterian in uh, Centerville, and it's just a little quarter acre uh, lot that they gave to me to um, open up this garden, and Williams Transco Pipeline, uh, they run from Corpus Christi up to New York, they actually own the land, and they approved the plan, and they thought this sounded like a really great community involvement project for them, and so they let me open it up, and the whole plan was to just plant a community garden whose harvest is going to be completely given to the homeless. You, you say 750 pounds of food on a quarter of an acre. Are, are you sure there's, there's not some miracle grow working in there somewhere? <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about miracle, like heavenly miracle, but I'm talking about... Well, we were just incredibly blessed. Um, let me tell you what, our water source is over 400 feet away. Our closest electrical plug is over 200 feet away. And we had absolutely nothing go wrong the whole season, and we were praying the whole time. I mean, you talk about sustainability, and and I want to talk a little bit more about discipline and faith. Sustainability really in this area means, you know, you talked about water, sharing the resource, making the most of what you have. Uh, You know, what would be some advice to people who, you know, we have a small patch in the backyard. I mean, there's, there's a number of small gardeners here in Arlington, but you know, somehow we could come together and donate our food here to AFAC or ASPAN. I mean, any advice for people who have just a small plot of land and they want to produce something that could contribute to this cause? I mean, any thoughts on how to do that or, or what to grow, anything like that? Yeah, I highly recommend anybody who's interested um, or even thinks that they have a black thumb. Go ahead and um, YouTube some videos, Google it a little bit. You'll be surprised just how easy it really is to grow your own food. Um, I would suggest anybody who's really looking to start something out in Arlington, maybe on a patio, uh, you know, look for tomatoes, look for zucchinis, look for vegetables that you're actually interested in eating. Yeah, right. we, we talked on the phone. You mentioned you're, you're donating food to the homeless that's not Pop-Tarts and, and ramen noodles. It's, it's healthy, good-for-you food. Who are some of the people that work in the garden? 
So in Centerville, we've got it sort of set up as a life group within the church. So there's about a dozen of us who are interested gardeners, and we all share the responsibility and the leadership of the group. Um, we have some good connections with New Hope Fellowship out of Chantilly, and this is a homeless congregation uh, led by Pastor Pat Devers. And we've had a few of them come out and join us on some Saturday work days, and it really fosters a really great amount of fellowship and discipleship with the whole crew. Uh, you have more gardens, don't you now? Are they in planning, or are they actually launched? Certainly. So right now, uh, Centerville God's Garden is the only one that has been launched. Um, the beginning of May, we will have actually an indoor urban farm here in Falls Church City, as well as two more projects, uh, one in Falls Church and the other one down in Vienna. And are these because people came to you, they heard about what you were doing and said, hey, we'd like to do something like that in our neighborhood, or... Yeah, two of them, uh, the ones that are in planning right now, are from group community uh, self-made neighborhoods, and they're coming forward and saying, hey, we really want to have a vegetable garden, and we'd love to have some sort of outlet for the produce. And I said, well, this is beautiful. I know exactly where we can take it, and I've got people who really would appreciate Well, is there a minimum useful criteria for wanting to get involved in this? I mean... Uh Again, we talked about water, but space. I mean, I, I remember at Ed's old house, he had this 12 sprinkler head system. Actually, that, it was you know, 24 heads. Yeah, when he turned the thing on, you know, the alarm went off at Loudon Water. I mean, you know, the guy was just, it, it was like a bad episode of the Griswolds. But I mean, do you need some basic thing to, to, to make a difference in this? Well, I think you're only limited by your creativity in this matter. Um, vertical gardening, aquaponics, hydroponics, everything is out there for you to learn and to adapt to your own space and um, ability level and budget, of course. Yeah, you talked about you know getting some people who were homeless or get, getting other folks involved. I mean, I always feel good when I get out of working in the garden. You know, I feel yeah. like you know I, I'm. I'm one with the soil, I, I'm engaged, I feel nature, I feel good, even here in Arlington town, County where we're, we're growing vertical so much. I mean, uh, how does that fit into this as kind of a ministry, I guess, is I would put a word to what you're doing. You know, you, you're bringing people to nature and to their faith through getting their hands dirty, right, in the soil. Yeah, certainly. I would say that selfishly, um, a lot of this garden was meant for myself, too, in terms of the therapy and meditation that it offers. Um, I've found everybody who's spent an hour in the garden walks out of there and just tells me, wow, all right, I feel really good right now. And maybe you didn't even really do anything. You kind of just sat there and watched other people, or maybe you did sweat for five hours turning uh dirt over. It's an incredible experience getting to do some work for something that uh, the reward is knowing that somebody else in our community is going to have a full belly at the end of the night. Yeah, amen. It, it, you, you know, we get back to this theme, you talked about uh, researching and doing some, some scriptures from the Bible with respect to gardening. Uh, you know, what are some of the things you've learned in that? Because there's so many uh, references to dependencies on things like weed and other things that people sort of you know, at that time, obviously, had to deal with. But are there any revelations that you find, or passages you'd like to share, or certain instances as you've read through the Bible, where that have, that have you know come out at you related to growing food, or the sharing of food, or the producing of food? Oh yeah, the Bible has countless, countless 
portions that really tell us about far- farming and gardening being the purpose that God put us here on this earth for. Um, you know, some of the ones that really stood out for me was uh, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, Psalm uh, 92 right there. It's just an incredible feeling when you can read the Bible and you know that, hey, I'm actually following what it's telling me to do. So do you have plans, I have to ask, about scaling this? Because it sounds like a great concept. Many people would be interested in it. Is this something that you're starting to kick around, you and your coworkers? Yeah, you know, I think for sustainability and actual um, efficiency, we're looking at staying around in this area. Um, one of the heartbreaking numbers is that in Fairfax County, one of the richest counties in the nation, we are second to D.C. for homelessness. And I think that uh, focusing locally, making sure it's sustainable for that is much more important for me to really erase it here and then look further. Yeah, but you know, Ed, you bring up a good point because really this this is an idea that could be franchised. I mean, look, where I grew up, you know, in the Rust Belt, uh, there are a lot of people, you know, we, we had a, a big garden growing up Italian, you know, we and we ate from it. You know, a lot of our great foods came from the garden, but you didn't see that a lot. And you think, what if people could just turn a small plot in their backyard? What could that do for their income if they had a little bit of knowledge, some seeds, something to kind of help them? And could you start, uh, you know, fostering this or at least connecting with others in other areas to kind of build this out? That's an interesting idea. You used the term modern Adam when we talked. What, what did you mean by that? Oh, man, modern Adam. <laughs> well, you know, um, when I first started this whole journey, I actually ended up starting, uh, as I was building the first garden, I started with the first page of the Bible. And I really let that kind of guide me as I was reading and, and building. And one of the things I really noticed was that in today's world, we're kind of really deviating from what God's plan was for this earth and for us. And so trying to focus it back down and trying to look at what is something that you could put on paper and somebody could relate to and say, that's who I'd like to be. And I think being like Adam, being the first man, having the ability to be without sin and do good, it's, it's what we all dream for. I know many times I looked in the scriptures and, and saw things related to gardening and farming, and one of the principles that stood out was giving the land rest every seven years. And this is something we don't do now. Um, is, were there certain things, like one or two things that really stood out to you, really practical, super practical things that you believed helped the, the garden to grow better than you might have anticipated it to grow? Yeah, certainly. Um, as I said, we were on top of a pipeline, and so that presented a unique challenge that we could not actually penetrate the earth. And you think, well, how can you even farm then? So we built raised beds, and we made uh, this thing called the lasagna compost. It's just layers and layers and layers of different uh compostable materials kind of making a lasagna at the end of the day and you plant into that and that puts all of those beneficial microbes fertilizer nutrients everything's right there for the plant you make it as easy as possible for the earth to just give forth all that it has and then you'll just sit back you'll relax you'll watch this grow and you'll just be in awe of the lord so are you taking some like recycled materials and throwing it in that compost pile or yeah, actually, you know, Starbucks was a huge help for this. They will donate um, used coffee grounds if you go and ask them. Um, give them a bucket, be very polite, but they will hand out stuff. And you'll be surprised who in this community really love the thought of fresh local produce and who's willing to support it. You'd be surprised. 
Well, yeah, what is uh, Brickwater Abbey? I think of that, I think about monks, I think about beer, I, <laughs> I think about a lot of things. And maybe it's happy hour at six, after 6 o'clock. But tell us what is Brickwater Abbey what, and what you're doing there. Well, Brickwater Abbey, the name itself comes from the Brian Jack uh, series of Redwall Abbey series. Um, that was a huge book uh, for me and my friend groups, and it was just so impactful. And so we do like the thought of Abbey and monks. And we're looking back at this monastic lifestyle where the church was on the forefront of science, technology, agriculture, and we're trying to bring that back. And we're saying, hey, look, you know, this book is still as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago or 4,000, 10,000 years ago for the Torah. I love that. Yeah, no, that's right. Back in that time, people came to these resources, their faith, the church, for all these answers. Uh, and, and today, maybe we've gotten away from that from our detriment. Um, green Think Tank, uh, an experiment lab, I, I think about that as like some biochem thing, or, uh, you know, what, what is a green think tank? And how are you uh, trying to pull people into that? Because, you know, a think tank often... Um, you know, produces uh, some thought leadership, they engage others, they, they kind of pull together a coalition in some ways. What, what are you guys doing with the think tank and the experimental lab? Yeah, well, we definitely have a feeling of see something, do something, don't just say something. And so we're looking at taking just fearless leaps for progress. And part of that is being in an atmosphere where one can feel comfortable to come up and say, you know, did we did we think about this? Have we tried this yet? Maybe we look at this. And um, currently, I'm a student at George Mason University, and I'm doing a degree program for architectural environmental history. And so this is all together into one little package of I'm really studying uh, civilization over time, and I'm trying to pinpoint where did we have something that went right? And when did we go and stop doing that? And could we get back to that? So you, you do some other things as well with um, Breckwater Abbey. I saw you had a sort of a roaming artist, uh, Maintown USA program. Tell us a little bit about some of those things. One of the things second to feeding the homeless is I want to make sure that artists are creative and free and able to go travel the United States and make this country great. And so uh, Nick Kenoki is a great dear friend of mine, and we've sent him across the country to just document, videotape, interview, get all of the media possible, and then we can come back here, and now we're chunking through it, and we're looking through everything that he's done. It's incredible artwork. It's fantastic interviews with people who are just run-of-the-mill people from St. Louis, from Colorado, wherever he was. Um, and the other part would be Maintown USA. That's a that's kind of a daydream of ours. That's part of the think tank. Is um, we'd love to create a little two third mock up city for children to be able to come in and interact with different vocations, kind of like a dentist, uh, a me car mechanic, something to kind of just revitalize that blue collar industry. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you talk about the artist roaming around, is this sort of intentional? Are, are you looking for something in particular, or is it just sort of just whoever you come across, you know, sort of capture their story and then just bring all the, the, the things that are collected back and consider them, or is, is, there, is there more of a deliberate approach? We like to go for it organically, and uh, when people's travels come across our page and uh, someone says, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do this fantastic trip, I'm trying to raise awareness for this or that, um, we just kind of take a pause, we think about it, we pray about it, we go, okay, is this the direction that we want to take? Is this the kind of person that we want to support? And then we just go for it, um, and we just put all the faith that, hey, you know what? 
we thought about it, we prayed about it, and we're going to do it. Yeah, let's give a shout out to uh, to the folks at Cent- Centerville uh, Presbyterian Church. Uh, this whole connection came about through uh, uh, my good friend, uh, Doctor Todd Martin. We don't call him Doc Martin, but um, you know, and he connected us with Centerville. Um, you know, give them a shout out. They kind of have helped you and, and been a big supporter. Tell us how you got involved with them and and some of the encouraging things they've been doing with you. Well, Centerville Presbyterian, I can't say enough good things about them, the staff, the main pastor, Rob Bromhead. Um, it's an incredible group over there, fully dedicated disciples to Christ. And um, they're really trying to bring it back and make it alive. Um, one of the things about them is that they have such a long history of missions and outreach that it's it's humbling trying to do anything there because you realize, I'm not the first. And this isn't the best idea they've seen. They've seen much better than this. And so it kind of drives a lot of us there who, who go to be better Christians and to support each other in that mission. You mentioned how you, you were just biking out one day with your fiancé and you knocked on the door and you, you got a dialogue going with them and they hired you to do some AV work, correct? Yeah, that was uh, a foolish step on my part. We um, we had been biking up, and this is this church is within a few miles of our house. And um, having been raised Jewish, being able to get to a place of worship was a pretty big focus of mine. And so, with my fiance, when we were looking for where do we settle down, uh, this beautiful church on the hill just appeared to us, and we said, "Okay, we'll walk in." We walked in. We've never left. And so the, when you came up with this idea, you were doing the AV work, and then you proposed this concept of God's garden to them, and they supported you, correct? Yeah, all through my high school career, and even a little bit afterwards, I was um, master technician over at Spring Hill Stage, first stage in Tyson's Corner. And so I have a good experience with theatrical productions, and we had walked in, and I introduced myself to their worship manager, director, and I said, hey, you know, I think I could help you a little bit. I know a thing or two about what you're trying to do here. And so I got onto their staff, and about a year later, I kind of turned around and I said, you know, this isn't the full extent of what I think I should be doing for ministry. It's incredibly powerful to be behind the microphones, to be uploading it onto YouTube, but I think I should do more. And they just were completely open, and they said, please. Yeah, that's. I think that's what's impressive about them. I mean, you talk about their long history of outreach, but they're also, they're really listening to folks like you. You're like, you know, I'm doing this thing now, but... I don't think this is really my higher calling. I'm, I'm more focused on the gardening, and, and they support you in that, which is nice to hear. You talked a bit on the phone about you know, jumping around different colleges, some of the intensive training programs you've been a part of. Um, what were the most significant things that prepared you for what you're doing right now? Wow. Well, if I had to have the absolute answer, it would definitely have been my experience um, as an EMT and firefighter in Fairfax County. Um, it was incredibly eye-opening to be led into people's homes at the worst moments of their lives and, and try to help as best I could. And that definitely, um, at 18, 19, 20, definitely created an impact on my life and made me realize that, you know, I could go get a job and talk to people and help serve somebody food, but being really physical one-on-one with people has a way to change their lives. And I would love to be there at that pinnacle moment. How did you come into that position? I mean, what came about? Did you have an interest? Were you serving in a volunteer fire? Oh, yeah. Well, right out of high school, I was kind of solidly, I'm not going to go into college. This is not the direction I want to take. College is not going to um, allow me to experience what I want to experience in my life. And I can always return to my education. And so uh, firefighting was kind of my way of serving the country while not being in the military. I think that... um, 
you know, some mandatory service for all youths would be really strong and compelling to really create a strong citizenry and a lot more patriotism. And so that was my way of serving the country while uh, doing me. And it was an incredible experience and so much training, more than if I had gone to college. Yeah. Do you, do you have any uh, thoughts for me for parents or, or even high school students who are looking for you know, an experience like this where they would go out, work on a farm, work on a garden over the summer uh, as part of an outreach program. Uh, I think you mentioned some work you did with the Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Program. Can you tell us a bit about that and, and if you have any thoughts about how people can, you know, get involved over the summer and start exploring, uh, you know, gardening as a way of contributing, but also, uh, you know, a way to find some quiet time in their own faith. Well, Sal, I would say the first thing is that you could just do it right outside your own house. You don't need to go find something and do something. Um, don't let that be what stops you. But if you're interested, um, two places I would recommend ASAP, like you said, Agricultural Sustainable Agricultural Program. Um, it's incredible folks up and down the uh, Appalachians, and they try to connect anybody who wants to intern, apprentice, learn of any variety of farming from huge commercial scale down to just the at-home farmer. And the other one would be WOOF, uh, the Worldwide Organic Farming Group. And that you could go, you can have a week vacation in New Zealand and work for an organic farmer. And I would recommend if you're in high school, if you've got a child in high school, and they're looking at mm, maybe college isn't for me, I would say, you know what, work with them on that level. Maybe talk to them and listen to them about that, and you could maybe convince them that there is other things that they can do, don't just sit at home. Yeah, I mean, I love some of the things you've shared with us tonight about you know really trying to you know, take a very simple and practical approach to reducing poverty, hunger, help people find a mission. You, you've employed and worked with some homeless people. You've given them a sense of purpose. And all of that comes around the very basic essence. And Ed, we, we have a number of these guests of people who are hungry, are homeless, and you have these basic needs. And our ability, even as busy as we are, to reach out and share some of that by growing and sharing some food is huge. Uh, give a call to action uh, to our listeners. We always love the guests to give a call to action, two or three things. Um, you know, we've got a few minutes left here. Two minutes. Oh, man. All right. Like things like neighborhood gardens, uh, farmers markets. Give it some way for people to get their feet wet here. Well, number one is I would recommend, especially with the coming uh, spring and summer now, is look for your local farmer market. These are going to be people, local farmers within a couple, not even 100 miles sometimes, who really are trying their best to bring you good, fresh, delicious, nutritious vegetables. The second thing I would offer is try to open up a neighborhood garden and then be creative about it. If you don't have the green space, maybe you do it inside of someone's house. If you don't have that, maybe you try it up on the roof. If you don't have that, maybe you try it on the patio. Just think about all the different ways that you could do it and don't let what you think are obstacles be obstacles. Just pray about it. And then last is I would offer this a piece of advice. If you want to help and make any change, don't just cut a check to a charity. Yeah. Hey, look, um, you talked with us before the show that, um, you know, you're going to be a happily married man this summer. You want to give a shout out to her fiance and, and thank her for all the, uh, the encouragement over building this up. Oh, of course, Michelle, you're the love of my life. I couldn't have done any of this without your support, certainly. And, um, I just, I hope to make you proud. 
There you go. Wow, that's a good one. That's really well done. Um, you mentioned one other thing when we talked was the importance and the impact of having common meals, sharing meals with people. A couple comments about that. Yeah, I think uh, really making your neighborhood a real neighborhood again. Um, you know, not just saying, oh, it's my HOA, I don't like them. It's, you know, these are people who are just like you and me. They're going to work, they're stressed, they're tired, and we could all use a little bit more fellowship. Yeah, especially in this area where the hustle and bustle is huge and, and people move in and out with the military. And you don't really, even if you like your neighbor, you don't really get to spend time with them. And uh, that's a great idea. Just a once a week or maybe once a month common meal with between one or two neighbors is a great way to share fellowship. And Ed's just, he brought this up because he's trying to get over to my house for a free meal. <laughs> Sal is a master chef. Yeah. Look, we're, we're going to wrap it up. Um, you know, thanks so much, Sebastian. We got to talk about those weeds in my front yard, my friend. Uh, listeners who want to find out more about Brickwater Abbey, uh, check them out on, on their website, brickwaterabbey.com. We'll also be posting information on our Facebook and Twitter pages at Grace in 30. A replay of this show will be found at the gracein30.com website and wera.fm websites 24 hours after airing tonight. The show will also re-air on WERA this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Ed, talk us out of this one. Signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Everybody have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace. Grace.